Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here, welcoming you back to another episode of the Rad Dad Show. On this episode, I'm joined by my pal, Dennis Jaggard from 10 Foot Pole, who are currently gearing up to release a new acoustic record on October 9th called Simmer Down. The first single, Sarcasm Decoder, is out now, so go check that out as soon as possible. This is a bit of a hallmark episode for us because Dennis is actually our first repeat guest on the show. So we ended up going a bit off the typical Rad Dad show script. In fact, we dove really deep on the process for writing and recording the new album, which was super fun. And honestly, I can't wait to hear it. We talked about the plight of musicians, which is the compulsion to buy new gear all the time. And we also bonded over the struggle of trying to stay in shape as a parent, especially during the pandemic. We covered a lot during this interview, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So without further delay, let's get into it. Here's Dennis Jaggard from 10 Foot Pole on the Rad Dads Show. Thanks for taking the time to oh, talk to the Rad Dads Show again. This and, is uh, happy Father's Day. It's Father's Day in Australia, so. Oh, you know what? I, <laughs> so didn't I even... think we should celebrate too, because, you know, let's show a little solidarity with the fathers in Australia and buy ourselves some presents or whatever it takes to celebrate Father's Day in whatever way. You no kidding. Like to, but... That's, that's awesome. I didn't realize it was Father's Day in Australia. So yeah, that's great. Doing an interview yeah. for the Rad Dad Show on Father's Day. Yeah, good timing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And you know, it's kind of interesting. This is the first time we've actually had a repeat guest back on the show. So you were on the Rad Dad Show back on episode seven. Nice. Um, and that was, so I think, uh, Dallas had interviewed you right before you were you were in town in Edmonton for um, your working sound for the Weird Al Yankovic tour. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we, we I remember now we were kind of on the patio right outside the venue, and I had just done sound check, I think, or was about to do sound check, and uh, we were just chatting out there. Right, Weird Al Yankovic. That was a great, great tour, great experience. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll talk some more about that because I want to sort of hear about. Um, I guess your, your experience over the last few months, right? Given your, your <laughs> career um, or careers, I should say. Um, but, but first I want to say welcome back to the Rad Dad oh, Show. Thank and you. I'm so excited that I'm a repeat offender here. Yeah, nice. you are. No, it's, it's great and it's good timing, right? You've got um, some, some things going on right now. You've got a, a new record coming out pretty soon. So um, I wanted to kind of welcome you back. I'm not going to ask you a bunch of the same questions. And we, so we sort of typically will ask more or less the same questions to most of the guests so that we can kind of uh-huh. compare and contrast. Um, but I'm not going to make you repeat yourself on all of those things that, <laughs> that you've already answered, but um, whatever you want to talk about, my life's an open book. I'm happy to talk about me or 10 foot pole or okay. my, my audio customers or oh my what else is going to happen. One second here. My, um, my friend Alexa here is trying to talk to me. I'm going to, so creepy with these assistants. Do you have any virtual assistants? Alexa, at home? turn off the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> like, you go there, everything's all, all your ice cream's melted. Damn that it's, dentist. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do. And it's so funny. Like, I'm kind of a nerd, right? So I have, I have a few of these devices around the house. I do have them hooked up to different things like um, my coffee pot and whatever. And it is kind of neat. Like, it, it's cool. You can start your coffee pot from, from your bed. Yeah, well, what about when Skynet takes over and like your coffee's all like boiling over and oh. I know, I know. I, we have had some malfunctions, that's for sure. So um, 
So yeah, so sorry. Uh, I was I was saying, you know, welcome back to the Rad Dad Show. You you were saying your your stories an open book, so be careful what you wish for here because we might uh, might get into. <laughs> no, I mean we we stuff. could talk about anything. I I mean I don't you know whatever works for your show. Like as far okay. as format, I I like to just kind of wing it and be free flowing. I I don't know if you've ever, uh, ever been to a ten foot pole acoustic show. At the rock shows, I try not to talk in between songs, but at acoustic shows. I'm trying to develop it to be like kind of a Henry Rollins meets yep. Johnny Cash character where I can play songs like a, on acoustic guitar and do my best on those. But we can also just sit and chat and, um, you know, cause it's usually intimate, you know, small, yep. small gatherings. And so I'll just say, hey, does anyone have any questions and just literally do my best, like whether it's a song request or someone asked me a question about Prince or something like that. Yep. And, um, and just let, let it go, you know, where it takes us. Cause Organically. there's a lot of interviews and stuff that are out there, but I, I want to make it fun for you and, and, and unique too, by talking about whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. And it's funny you, you say that about um, kind of acoustic shows in that way. Like, I think, I think that's something that, cause it, I would say it's a bit of a, like for lack of a better t- term, I don't want to say trend, but, but there's a lot of punk rockers who are kind of doing something similar to what you're doing getting into playing some acoustic shows. And I think that, you know, the sort of the music aside and what, what that comes out like on the record, I, I think that's what people enjoy about it is you go to the shows, it's a little bit more intimate. It's kind of these, these people that, yeah, typically it was kind of hard and fast, you know, 45 minutes of just go, 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 go. Um, and now it's kind of slowed down. We get some stories. Um, there, there's a bit more of that connection, right? And I, I think that's what appeals. Um, to, to listeners for sure. I, and it sounds like that's sort of your, your take on it as well. That's what you enjoy about it. Yeah. I think uh, one, I think listeners appreciate it. And two, I just enjoy it. I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but my take on things is that people go to shows to have a, a direct connection with the artist. And to me, it's a lot more interesting to be able to talk. Once we break down that barrier between the stage and the audience, and, and we're just having a conversation, um, it's more real and more connected. And I, I think that's one reason people like to see bands or even like music in general is to kind of feel like, you know, I'm not alone. There's someone else who has, you know, some other issue that I had and sang a song about it, you know, what, whatever that issue might be or whatever that thing. And just talking with people um, to me is, is one reason why I even do it. it like if, if there is any kind of like purpose to, my life that could be considered positive. I like to think that, that the music is kind of a, 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 a unifying factor. I mean, the fact that an, an American and a Canadian are, are talking, um, you know, just having a nice conversation, like that's yep. already, we're, we're bridging nations right there. And then to talk about, we're celebrating Father's Day in Australia, like now, like, and, and so the more, um, I think especially in today's world is really divided and there's all kinds of people who are pressuring you to fight. They're constantly like, like like even the big people are up there going fight, 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 because then we'll sell more ad space. You know, it's like fight on Facebook because then when you fight that makes the algorithm like blow up and people get angry and write. And, and that's when, and, and it all has to do with how much content there is and how, how much interaction there is. So there's all this pressure to fight. Um, and I think music is kind of the opposite. It's kind yeah. of like, hey, let's get together. I think, I'm not sure exactly, but I think like in, uh, in April maybe, 
I might go across Canada and do shows that I'm pretty much just trying to do like house shows, like playing in backyards. That would be amazing. And, and the whole point, I think the, the thing that I, that's exciting about it to me is it's low pressure. You're hanging yeah. out, you're talking with people, answering questions, playing songs, and people really appreciate it and feel connected. And um, so th that to me is kind of an interesting thing about like how the future could go. Cause right now I have to decide like, do I want to go work a really, really crappy job? Yeah. Or is there some way if I just keep writing songs and keep pushing the band, there's some way to make it sustainable that I could be like a roving troubadour and just cruise around and, <laughs> you know, and play songs. And it's just, it's just too expensive with the band. Like I right. try to do that with the band, but the reality is that, you know, hotel rooms and multiple yep. people and everyone's away from their families and, um, it's just a huge sacrifice for so many people uh, and, and the, the audience you need to support that many people is much bigger and, right. and 10 foot poles, not big. Like, you know, if we have a hit song or something and, and suddenly, you know, conditions could change to where it could justify doing the band thing. But um, right now I'm basically trying to do both, trying, well, trying to build it, you know, so it could go either way. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that idea. Right. And I think I personally, I've been seeing sort of more of that leading up to, I guess, you know, March of this year when everything totally kind of shut down. Um, but I, I love that model, right. Of, of having that kind of intimate setting. Um, yeah. And, and for you, I can imagine it's just you, you're traveling with your guitar, a little bit of equipment. It's, you know, easy. Yeah. There's, there's not all this, the logistics that go along with it. Right. And in, in some way there will be in, in some ways, but it'll be kind of in my control like I'm planning yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen maybe I'll bring one other person because I think it's fun to have a little more support but it's you know the cost and everything changes too but I think I'll bring like some speakers and a couple of lights and merch yeah. and, and you know to be able to do the same show everywhere there's a bit of equipment yeah and pro you know as opposed to if I'm going to a club where they have a sound system and lights I'm just going to set up in somebody's backyard and put a couple of speakers up yep. and, and a couple of lights up. And I, I'm not sure maybe because of the pandemic could be other things like mosquito nets or something, to like, <laughs> you know, cause, cause I'm thinking it should be outdoors yep. for, because of the pandemic. Yeah. But I mean, who knows what's, what's really going to be possible, but the, the goal in, for me, the long-term goal is to try to be able to speak like Henry Rollins in a way that you kind of enjoy the time. Yeah. Like, not, not necessarily that I, that there's a moral to every story, but that at least keeps it interesting enough to where you want to hear the songs. You're kind of curious what that song's about. Oh, okay. Well, I wrote this song in the, when this happened and da, 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 and we could just go totally into depth on it if you want. Like I'm happy to. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, that sounds awesome. And you're, you're talking about Henry Rollins. Like, I think that is something he does so well. Right. And even like weaves in comedy and that kind of stuff as well. Right. And um, yeah, it just makes it this thing that's more than just sort of playing the music. Right. It's really sort of yeah. connecting and yeah. understanding um, the music. And, and so I want to kind of get back to what you were talking about before about connection and, and music bringing you together. And I'm kind of thinking about like my first experience of getting to know 10 foot pole. And so for me, it was, I think it was one of the Punkarama compilations, maybe Punkarama 4. I think the getaway was on it. Uh -huh. um, and so I kind of came in later in the 10-foot the pole cycle. At that time, I, I was probably in grade 8 or grade 9 or something like that. Um, but I remember hearing that for the first time and it just being like, 
oh my God, this is amazing. Right. And then, so, so I really got into that album insider and unleashed were like huge for me around that time. Um, and kind of have been, you know, following what, what you and, and the rest of the band have been doing for a little while. And it's interesting. So to fast forward a few years to today, when we're sort of, like you said, able to sit here and chat and, and relate, not just on, on your music, because we have that in common, you know, you, you've made that music and it's, it's meant something to me, but also as a, as a dad too. And that's another way we kind of know each other, right? Have, you know, sharing comments on, on some Facebook groups and things like that. So I think that is a really interesting thing that's going on right now. And, and I'm interested what you think about this. I kind of, you know, I'm thinking about it in the context of this pandemic that we're in and like, there's so much division in the world and there's things are closed off and you can't get out and, you know, spend time with your friends in person. But in some ways I think has led to people connecting, you know, virtually a lot better in some ways and, and has kind of, um, taken down those, those, maybe those like physical barriers or those borders um, and getting people out of their own circles. Right. And so there's more people online talking and sharing information, sometimes bad information, but they're, they're sharing information <laughs> and, and, you know, it's kind of like changed the world, I think in a way that is not really going to come back. So I kind of want to talk about like your experience with the pandemic right now. So last time we talked to you, um, it was a couple of years ago, more than two years ago, I think. And actually I think that day it was your son's 15th birthday. Oh, wow. so, so what June what, 2nd? Yeah. So, um, like what has this experience been like for maybe I'll start by for your family and then we can talk a little bit about for you, um, and your, I guess your experience as a musician and, and everything else that you do in terms of your, um, your sound work. Sure. Um, well, it, I, I says we suspected right away that that it could be really serious because I have a lot of friends from around the world and so even though the local news was kind of showing it as like ah oh, there's nothing to worry about don't worry about it um I I was kind of hearing you know things especially when it got bad in Italy like when yep. it, when it when it got bad in Italy it was like this it, you know it, it's not like the movie's pandemic where everyone dies or half the people die or you know I am legend or something yep. like that but it is, but it is bigger than how they were kind of describing it. And so, you know, our family kind of went through the, well, what do we need to prepare? And, um, you know, and obviously toilet paper and stuff hoarding started pretty yep, quick on yep. there. And, um, <laughs> I, Idaho, so I live in Boise, Idaho, and it's already kind of like, it, it's a kind of interesting combination of people. Um, they frequently panic about stuff. Like we, we get, um, calls from my wife's dad's from here and and like we get things like did you guys get rice like before the pandemic just random like well uh what are you talking about there's a shortage on rice everyone's buying rice you gotta buy rice like and then it was like well i don't even eat rice what's the point like what why are you worried about that like if, yeah. if we're worried about food let's buy food but yeah you know like all of a sudden it's like people get in these panics like oh my god there's gonna be a zombie eclipse we gotta buy rice and like I don't want to make rice. Like if, even if everything else is like (laughs) crashing around us, like it's not like, it's not your go-to. I mean, that's not the only possible long-term nutrition strategy. It's not even that good for you. (laughs) But anyway, but those kind of things would happen before. And so when this happened, there was part of me that's kind of like, well, we better get out there and get stuff because like, 
because the stores are going to be empty. Like yeah. we know that the stores are going to be empty. One. Um, the second thing I thought, which if I had money, I would have put some down, but I don't because I spend it all on guitars and touring bands. <laughs> the second, my second thought was um, Amazon's going to go through the roof because everyone's going to be buying from Amazon. Yep. And my my wife, luckily for me, my wife works at Amazon. Um, just I don't know when when she started, maybe October or November. But basically, she'd been working the night shifts, moving boxes in a distribution center. Yeah. And it's hard work. It's like, you know, 10 no plus hours and big trucks come in and offload boxes. And she's involved with the offloading and processing. And then they basically repack the boxes into smaller systems that can go out with small trucks and go to the, you know, individually. And, and like right now, she's starting on some different thing where she's going to be training drivers and because they get but they constantly have an influx of people because the job is so hard that people quit fast. Yeah. And um, so they pay higher than average. They, they pay higher than minimum wage right out the door, but most people quit because even though they're getting a little more, it's like hard, hard work, work for 10 yeah. hours in the middle of the night. And, um, but anyway, so she, she's done really well there and, and it's been a, uh, really great for the family to have money coming in. So, you know, so I'm looking at all those things like, okay, there's not going to be sound income because yeah. I'm a sound engineer for live events. There will be no live events. Like, like, like once the pandemic like came in, it was like, this is going to happen. Like, yeah. you know, sooner or later, all the concerts are going to shut down. And so we, we first saw that. And um, one of the first things I did was go out and buy um a little well the first thing i did was arrange that my record label people of punk rock records would um would have a budget a little bit of a budget for recording and then i took an advance from them and i literally went out and bought a little mac mini basically a more powerful computer yeah. that i thought i could mix this record on or at least try like yeah. normally when i'm making a record like i work with other people who are more experienced at record making and delegate a lot of the work to them but all of a sudden it was like, I'm going to be home here by myself. I should learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. And so, so I upgraded the gear and I started learning on like the editing and things that I normally, like I, I make demos, but an album's different. Like the level of quality, you're just being so picky about things. And, and, um, and so I basically built my area to be able to try to make a record you know, with the understanding that if I didn't mix it well enough that I still planned on giving it to other people to mix in case my, in case I didn't do it good enough. Right. And, um, and then, and I worked a little bit, I was still kind of working in there. Um, and I was on a diet and I was down 25 pounds on my diet, on like, like a, a, a semi, a, a fairly relaxed attempt at keto. I'm too, I, I can't count the calories or do all that other crap. But I was like, I was not eating bread. I was not eating bread and I was not eating ice cream. I wasn't eating dessert. And, um, and then I got sick. So I had been working in a rock club and I got sick and had a really bad cough for about, for about a week. I was really sick. And so then I was like, I might die. I'm going to eat some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got better. It was maybe, I think I was coughing pretty hard for, I was coughing for like five or six weeks pretty good. But for one wow. week I was really sick. I couldn't be tested because they didn't really have testing and they didn't support it. Like, you know, they were kind of like, and I didn't have a fever. So they were like, well, you don't have a fever anyway, so we won't test you. I'm like, but I'm really sick. Like, yeah. 
like I would, I'd like to know because I was kind of like keeping myself away from my family, figuring I got it at work. But then it's kind of like, well, I don't know. Like I, if I knew, like if I know I have it all like fully quarantined, but it's like, well, I don't really know. Like what if it's just a cold? What if I just have a really bad cough? What if it's just a cold? I don't know. But anyway, so I, um, the reason I told that part of the story is that 43 pounds later, <laughs> I stopped eating ice cream and I'm now, now maybe I've lost like back five or six. So I had lost 25 pounds at that point, yep. gained 43, like 43 pounds of pandemic weight that I put on. And then now I'm like, now I'm probably at like 37 above where I was in February. But, but yep. I'm, I like, I just moved the treadmill into the house from the garage. So I'm going to start like just walking every day. Nice. There's too many flies outside for to do it in the garage. And, and um, I thought I was going to, I got dogs and I thought I was going to walk the dogs all around, but um, the combination of the heat and mosquitoes and my dogs aren't that friendly to, to when they meet dogs, especially my older one is just, um, so speaking of they're blue healers from Australia. Okay. Blue healer, and they're not like a friendly, like Labrador, like, Hey, how's it going? They're more like, who are you? And what do you want? <laughs> so you, you recently, you recently got dogs? Uh, no, I, I guess I meant in terms of my health strategy in the, uh. a few years ago, my wife, uh, let my wife kind of opened the door to us getting dogs. I always wanted dogs. Yeah. And a few years ago I got them. And, um, I guess my, my point there was that I have a treadmill, but I didn't think I'd ever need it. Cause I thought I'd walk the dogs all the right. time, but I have a big yard and I just play with them in the yard and I don't walk them that much in the neighborhood because of the pandemic and the other you know factors. Yeah. So, um, I have a treadmill right behind me here. I don't know. Maybe you can just see the edge of it on yeah, the camera. Yeah, I see it. Um, mostly my, my kid likes to climb and play on it, uh, which is totally unsafe, <laughs> but it's turned off. Yeah. It's unplugged. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I feel your pain there. I normally hate them because they're so boring. But yeah. The reason I brought it inside was so that I could set it up in front of the TV. Yeah. And, and I found that if I'm watching a movie or something, I can, I'll walk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes or more. I'll just keep walking and not think about it. If I'm just walking on a treadmill, it'll be like one, 1,000, two, 1,000. <laughs> okay. That's about enough. You know, cause it's just yep. so time is so slow, but yeah. if I'm engaged in a film, it's kind of like, Oh, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I walked five miles. Yeah, um, for sure. I've been, I've been using the, the podcast strategy, throw a podcast on. I can't do TV in this room because I have to blast it so loud to hear it over the treadmill. But, uh, but podcasts tend to work pretty well. I was just thinking that I should do, um, figure out if I could get a Bluetooth and then use like noise canceling headphones and with the Bluetooth yeah. on there. But I, I don't know if I haven't even tried yet on my TV to do it. The reason I know about the movies and things is I did that in an actual gym once. Like when I was younger, I went to this gym and they had an actual like theater, like a giant sound system and stuff. And I found that cool. Like, even though I, like back then, if I did go to a gym, it was like, okay, I'd run in and work out real hard and be out in 20 minutes. And all of a sudden with the theater, it turned into like an hour and a half because I was watching the movie, yeah. but I'd also, you know, move a lot more. So that was my thinking. I don't know if I can make that work with a, a Bluetooth or, or what to make time fly while I'm, while I'm working out. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always a way in something. <laughs> I always find with these things, it's like, I, I, I figure out yeah okay there's a way to do it you you can transmit your your tv signal you know to your headphones but actually that doesn't work with my tv my tv is too old so i'll need to buy a new tv in order to to do that so then it ends up being this costly endeavor 
Yeah, I think I just saw like something like Costco had an 85 inch TV for only $1,100 or something. Oh, that's like, crazy. Wow, that's ginormous. But um, yeah, it's probably not the most, uh, what's the right word? Prudent time to be investing in television right. sets <laughs> because I have, st- so, so my next job, so I'm, I mentioned I'm a sound engineer for yep. events, like could be concerts or, or any kind of event like you know graduations or political uh or corporate events like those kind of things uh, my next job that i'm lined up for is in one year oh <laughs> well, man three days less than a year now i don't know exactly when it starts but it's it's a concert tour and it's set for september of 2021 oh man <laughs> so yeah so it's probably not a good time for me to be uh, spending money on television sets but so you so yeah i mean obviously anybody working in the music industry right now is just like trying to figure out like, how do I move forward here? Right? Like what, what do I do? So, I mean, one thing that you did is you, you're putting out a new album. So maybe, maybe like walk me through that. Like did, did kind of the, were you started kind of down that path before everything shut down or was it kind of like when the pandemic hit, it was time to hit the road on this? No, I didn't. I, I was already, it was already in the works. I, um, it, it, you know, there's, I'm trying to think of the time frame of it. As soon as the last album was done recording, I knew I wanted to work on an acoustic record. And so like, I was already kind of working on songs and thoughts and, and building it up. And, um, the, the main thing with the pandemic, the main difference was I upgraded my hardware to be able to mix. Right. So, so I had a computer before and I, and I've had like plugins before, but not a strong enough system to where I could mix a song that would be album worthy. If that makes sense. I yep. like, like the plugins I use for live concerts are on, on big, um, you know, sound reinforcement rigs, but to be able to, to mix a song on my, just mix it all on a computer, not with a bunch of outboard gear, um, required a, a modern thing so that that really was the main difference it like i already was um i already was in the process of recording like i had already had quite a bit of the recording done okay and then and then um you know and and, and so the guys in their different locations were recording and sending stuff in i don't even remember exactly the timeline I, the main thing i remember is that right before they shut everything down i bought the computer because i didn't know whether they were going to let us like go out Right. And I'm like, I literally like went to a computer store and worked with a guy. And then, and in fact, to get a monitor, it was hard to get a monitor because everybody had um, been buying monitors to make home yeah, to work uh, from offices. Home. Yeah. So, so that was a big deal. Like, like those were all sold out. Like I thought, Oh, I'll go across the street and buy a cheap monitor there. Cause he had one for like, I don't know, $500. And I was like, yeah. well, it's just a TV, you know, like yeah. that should be 150 bucks, like at the most. And I'll just go across the street and go get one. And then I went to like three different stores and it was sold out everywhere. Crazy. And uh, so I, I think I went back. No, I ended up getting it through Amazon or something, but I can't remember now. I think, yeah, I think I just like found one online and had it ordered in. Like I couldn't get it locally. And so did you end up, did you end up doing all the mixing for the album yeah, then? I did. I, I ended up, you know, the, the plan was always like the backup plan was I just give this to someone else and they yeah. mix it. Um, but my, you know, in my heart, I was like, I want to do it. I want it to be great. Like, and so I just, I just kept working on it. And the main thing was I had time. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have a deadline. Like we've got to have it by this certain date. So I basically just didn't give it to other people 
to listen to until I was like confident with what I had done. Right. So by the time I gave it to other mixing guys, they listened to it and they were just like, you know, this is really good. You shouldn't, um, you don't need me basically. Not, you know, not that they didn't think they could do it better in, in some way or another, but the fact that I was also the artist making decisions about here's what I want it to sound like. And, and here's all the things that I'm doing to get there. Like for them to start from scratch, there, there were a couple of guys. Um, there were at least a couple of guys that I gave um, at least one song to. And, uh, but it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't like clearly better, like for them to, to take it. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like here, if I do it, it's going to be like this. And if they do, it's going to be better. It, right. It's going to be different, but it'll, but I could get it to a professional level and, and perhaps most importantly, like I can make decisions. Like I like that. I don't like that. I like yep. this. I don't like that. And like instantly just, just move past it. And um, at the end of the so, day, it's true to what you're, how you imagine the song to sound. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like this, this is the only record where for the whole record, I'm basically the producer and the mixer. And so if, if something isn't good, it's my fault because <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> signed off on it you know and, yep. and a lot of other albums there were times when i disagreed with the producer or whatever but but sometimes delegated it and just like didn't want to have too much of a fight about it like when, when you're making a record with uh, experienced producers it like you're kind of paying them to um to not yes you to death you're you're, you're paying them to tell you no if you're wrong right but sometimes you think that you're not wrong and that and that's <laughs> where it kind of comes in especially yeah. with you know, like the good producers are very confident, but I'm also pretty confident in what I like. And so sometimes I'm like, well, that's, um, that's your opinion, but that's a subjective thing. And, you know, and they, they'll try to pull off like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I made these records or da, 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 da. But at the end yeah. of the day, a lot of times it really, it really is a subjective thing. Like sometimes they're dead right. And, you know, it's hard to know. You yeah, know, is this one of those times or is this something that years from now I'm going to be going, ah, oh, I wish you wouldn't have made me do that. <laughs> yeah. Why but, did I put an yeah. organ on this song? <laughs> <laughs> but, but on this record, I was the one, like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to make one where I, I take responsibility. I'm going to yep. do it. And, and if it's, if people hate it, okay, but it's what I wanted. And, and, um, so you must feel a bit, any excuses, a, a bit more close to this record for, for that reason, right? You must feel a bit more like this is really your, your oh, yeah. baby. This is, right? this is my baby. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like because of that and what, and, and also it's acoustic. So I think, you know, the guys in the band have always kind of, the, the acoustics been a weird thing because a lot of shows I did without anyone in the band. Right. So the guys in the band have always been kind of a little hands off. And when they did come to acoustic shows, a lot of times for them, it's just like, Oh, this is a party. You know, it's like, we're just going to play like, you know, crazy stuff, but they don't, they weren't necessarily, they weren't necessarily invested in the acoustic experience. Right. So, so it's always been kind of my baby because, because it started out as just me playing. And, and so, um, so, so, so tell know. me a bit about the, like the content of this album. Cause there's some, there's some songs that you kind of re-recorded in an acoustic <laughs> format. There's some, there's some new stuff as well. Right. Yeah, the, the so the record's called Simmer Down, and because um, <laughs> I had a I had a tour manager once and be like Simmer Down, Danny, <laughs> and um, I I was offended by that, of course. But I try to take things that are negative in my life and kind of yeah. turn them around. <laughs> like uh, our old guitarist used to call me the nose because I had a big nose in uh, 1985. 
So I always made my signature. If you ever got a 10 foot pole signature from me, I, there's a caricature of me with like just a giant nose. So I tried to <laughs> just own it. Like, <laughs> take things that people try to hurt me with and, uh, yeah. you know, make me stronger kind of, kind of vibe. But, uh, where was I? So simmer down is, yeah. um, it's about, I think there's six brand new songs on there that were just kind of like written on acoustic guitar, written for acoustic guitar. And, and that's the thing with, with 10 foot pole. Most of the time, the songs are kind of starting off on acoustic guitar or, or, or somewhere in there are played on acoustic guitar. So I kind of thought this would be almost like um, a preview of a song before it gets punkified. Right. You know, like, like typically it's just kind of starts as this idea. And then later we're like, Oh yeah, let's put double time drums there and just yep. rock this part out. And um, although while saying that right now, I'm literally writing a new record purposely on electric guitar because <laughs> after a year on acoustic, I was like, I just want like something that's just going to shred. And, and also escalating quickly was really poppy. And um, yep. I wanted something that's just like kind of aggressive. And so, so the the current <laughs> the current album, I don't know if I wrote any songs on acoustic guitar, may, maybe one, but for the most part, I'm specifically starting with distortion and like like aggression. Current album meaning the the one you're working on that's going to come out next. I, I'm working on a new album that's already got like about ten songs. So I'm like awesome. like yeah, just just barreling forward and just because all that time basically simmer down took about a year of through the whole process of writing and recording and mixing and, and then waiting, like it was mixed and then we sent it in and now waiting for the vinyl to be made. And yeah. so th that's just a long process of, of um, hearing and thinking about acoustic guitars. And then, and, and that's kind of why I do the whole thing with flopping back and forth between acoustic and electric and between a, a career as a sound engineer and, and a musician is that I get bored if we do just one thing for too long. Yep. And that's what makes it exciting to me is like, acoustic guitar acoustic guitar okay that's enough of that and then just turn on the amp and turn it up and just yeah you know just do something different for a while and and um it kind of builds up that kind of longing like i really want to learn how to do this thing or you know scream more or whatever i'm gonna do um so and, like and, so the yeah. pendulum has just kind of swung the other way now and you're yeah kind of in that mode of turn yeah. up to and, and the same goes with being a sound engineer is like after i've been in the spotlight for a while we joked about before i turned this on like i just got a comment earlier today about my hair and my room and like all this stuff about from from a live um recording i did or you know like a, a an acoustic performance from my room for a pandemic video and someone on youtube was like oh your hair is awful and your room's a mess but they, they were like but don't stop making music because i love your songs and uh but but there's sometimes when being an artist it, it gets to be just uh too much of that like kind of focus on you in details yep. and then i just yearn to be a technician so i go out on tour with um, weird al or um i have for prince and uh, afi and jimmy world and other acts like that and um and it's great to just be the nerd behind the mixing board and just right. no one cares what i look like or what kind of shoes i'm wearing if i'm cool if my if my clothing looks cool if i'm hip i'm just like focused on this sound and like just making a gnarly concert experience and, and people are just loving it and loving the band. And I'm part of that without having to be right. in the spotlight with like, do I have a big pimple on my face or something <laughs> that I have to worry about? Whereas with the band, it's like, you know, oh, we're taking pictures today and I have like just some, something wrong with me yeah. that everyone's focused on the aesthetic. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. So you've kind of got that. It's almost like, um, um, like an alter ego kind of thing. Like you're, you're still doing music, but you're kind of like in the background. Yeah. To just, to just change things up. Like I, yeah. I, part of me wants to be in the spotlight and really enjoys it. And then part of me is just like, I need a break. And it, I noticed another weird thing. We were talking a lot about uh, interactions on social media and stuff too. Like I, I feel that way about conflict sometimes too. Sometimes somebody writes something and it's I'm really offended and irritated or whatever. And then I make some remark and like at the time, maybe I'm in the mood for conflict. Like let's argue about this. And then later, whatever, like my mood might shift. And it's just like, I really don't want to be in a big old brawl about yeah. anything, you know, whether it's politics or something. And just like, especially when it's friends or family or other things, when, when you think like, oh, we can keep this civil. And then all of a sudden it just goes like, nope. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we've like now crossed some other bridge where, you know, we're, we're no longer the same as we were yesterday. <laughs> yeah. People, people used to <laughs> kind of joke about like, you, you don't talk with your family about religion or politics. Right. And um, now it's like yeah. religion or politics or COVID-19. <laughs> like just don't, don't engage. Yeah. And, and I used to think, well, but I'm mature enough to where I can do it. And, and, you know, I'm very diplomatic and yep. very fact-based and whatever, but the reality is that it's just too, um, it's too heated right now. It's too personal. Everyone yep. brings all these notions to the table and there's, you know, you can't have just a relaxed conversation about this stuff that people are really angry about. And for good reason, you know, there's, yep. there's a lot of like r really strong views and, and um, a lot of people have suffered and, and stuff, you know, and people like make a big joke about it. Like it's no big deal. But, but I mean, the reality is I can't go to your country and play a show right now. Yeah. I, I'm not allowed into Canada. I'm not allowed into Europe. I'm not allowed into Australia. And, and at least from my opinion, in the case of this, it's like directly because of, not just because there's a pandemic, but because our country is doing poorly to where other countries around the world look at us and go, we don't want Americans to come in because they'll bring the pandemic in because it's so bad there. And um, so like in that case, it's something where, it's not just a casual yeah. intellectual conversation about it. It's like, like I'm unemployed for a year. Yeah. This is your livelihood. <laughs> like yeah. like uh, my job's gone for a year. And, and, and even the things we're planning, like I'm uh, planning a 10 foot pole uh, tour in Europe in the summer next year, but, but who knows, maybe that'll all get canceled. So, so is right? Well, well, I mentioned it, I should say, so that I mentioned going across Canada in April the basic concept is that we've committed to touring in Europe in the summer. And so I probably need to rehearse in Quebec because my drummer's in Quebec. Okay. My guitarist girlfriend is in Quebec. So it makes sense to rehearse there. And if we're going to rehearse there, we might as well play shows there. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking for shows of the band around Quebec in, uh, I guess, June-ish. Yep. And then it's like, well, if I'm going to Quebec. <laughs> yeah, might as well. I'm making payments on this tour van. So yeah. why would I pay for a flight to Quebec? When I could drive the van yeah. and play little acoustic shows in everybody's yards along the way. So that's, that's where that whole thing came from is like, how can I subsidize the touring to yeah. like, pay, to make it look like buying this van was not the stupidest thing I've ever done in my <laughs> life. Well, we can make that happen in Alberta. <laughs> I can help you with that. But I, yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's awesome. That's the concept. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. the album comes out 
simmer down comes out october 9th oh yeah you you asked me more about the other i i think i never quite answered that so so october 9th is simmer down release yeah so besides the new songs i mentioned six new songs yeah besides that there's um there's a bunch of there's a few old songs and a few more recent songs that are just basic basically acoustic versions of them and some of them are kind of more true to the song like like don't be a dick we did and it's almost the same but just acoustic guitar i just love i kind of loved how the song was and and just um kind of kept it more how it is but there's other songs where we did kind of radical reimagining of it you you mentioned the getaway on the getaway i actually changed the chorus i extended the chorus instead of just going make a getaway or um to make a getaway uh, it's real it's real slow and it's real poignant and it's full of cellos oh cool (laughs) and and i repeat the line the getaway line like I had to make a getaway, a getaway, a getaway. Like I kind of repeat that yep. and the music changes underneath it. And um, it's, uh, in my opinion now, like maybe people who love the old one will be like, how could you change it? But in my opinion, it's great. Like I just, it's so like, it, it's so, it's like, I don't know. It just t- touches me in a whole different way, probably because of the combination of that, but also the cellos. The cellos are just like yeah, beautiful. And um. Well, so what, yeah. what an interesting sort of thing to be able to like, yeah, reimagine those songs or maybe show a different side of those songs that maybe even when you were writing it or like the first iteration of it maybe was, you know, had a different feel. And then, yeah, once you get in the studio and everything sort of changes, it doesn't quite come out that way. Like, I, I think that's awesome. I can't wait to hear the getaway for sure. I, I <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I did release Sarcasm Decoder last week or yeah it's been yeah one last week. week i think um and oh it's awesome i love that song it rips i oh, think I, I think i messaged you i um i put it on in the car i was driving to work and i listened to it just on repeat like three or four times <laughs> and yeah i just love it and and um like kind of the flamenco part at the end just kind of made me chuckle like just when it kind of came in it's like oh man that's awesome yeah, uh, Dan Palmer played on that, played uh, some of the guitar duds. That's another cool thing about just being the producer. I can be like, let's bring in some pinch hitters, like bring in some ringers, you know. And uh, <laughs> so for those who don't know, Dan Palmer's a guitar player in uh, Death by Stereo and Zebrahead and yeah. Billy Bio. And oh, he has a new project. What's it called? Uh, something Revolution or something? Oh, crap. I just forgot it. But it's like kind of Rage Against the Machine meets... Uh, something it's it's kind of hard and and uh and nice it's it's like a modern day rage against the machine and and uh but dan dan's a great guy and uh yeah that uh sarcasm decoder was actually a a rock song scott had written before that we're going to use and i had just kind of shifted some stuff around but he didn't like the changes i made so we didn't use it on uh escalating quickly and then i um but I just loved that song. Like I loved the the changes that it's, it's hard. Like a song, uh, a lot of the songs are written and like ideas from different guys come in and then I try to put lyrics to it and try to put a melody to it. And then at that point it becomes a song, but sometimes I've changed the guy's ideas. Like in that case, in the case of sarcasm decoder, um, I had changed Scott's ideas so much. He didn't like the song anymore. He didn't like the music because I, I can't remember if I slowed it down or sped it up. I, maybe I slowed it down. I don't remember now, but I, I changed it pretty radically. And he was like, why would you do that? It was, it was perfect before. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, 
maybe it was, but it wasn't this song. Like this song with the shark cries from the cold or is like, yeah. like, I love this. I want to do it. And he's like, well, you wrecked my song. <laughs> <laughs> so that, in fact, that song was going to be on Escalating Quickly and it was going to be with Jordan playing drums because after we recorded most of Escalating Quickly, um, Jordan from Strung Out, I don't know if it was, that's when he got kicked out of Strung Out, but it, at some point he reached out to me Yep. and said, hey, I'm available if you want a drummer. And I was like, well, we already recorded Escalating Quickly with um, Sean from, um, from uh, Good Riddance, but maybe we could write a new song or something. So I was like, you know, and Ryan Green was like, yeah, you should, you know, use Jordan because, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's like Strung Out has a lot of fans. They'd love right. to hear Jordan do something new. Yep. And, and Ryan's like, well, you've got to write a great song. It's got to be great. And so I thought Sarcasm Decoder was that song. Yeah. But then Scott was like, well, you wrecked it, so we shouldn't do it. And so we basically just let that whole idea Shelved it. Yeah, we shelved it. So, yeah. um, but, um, but it's, so that's another like kind of little mini thing for me as far as it being my baby is that uh, luckily people don't hate that song because um, I basically went back to Scott and said, please let me use this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, don't, don't be mad, but I love this song and I want to do it. And it, it ended up being, you know, one of my favorite songs on the new record. And so we released it as a single because of that. But, um, and, and you made a video too. You released a video. Yeah. Yeah. There's a silly video. <laughs> so tell me about the video. Like, I mean, making a music video during a pandemic, that's a kind of a different thing. So I see you kind of did the, you know, obviously people are kind of in their own, you yeah, know, we, home or whatever, their own place. And you kind of have to stitch yeah. it together. The concept was to make it like a zoom video of, but but more elaborate so yeah. it was kind of like we're um what do you want whatever you want to call it quarantine video or pandemic video that that people like to to make it look like we're doing that that you know we're playing on them a live pandemic kind of situation but to make it more elaborate you know we yeah. had a one for people who haven't seen it one, one of our guys scott has a got a green screen behind him so that kind of adds a lot of action to the thing when that like because he has water behind him or a volcano or other other events happen behind him to try to give it more energy and then of course we have the guest uh dan palmer because of his mustache he had to be in it and, and he has those <laughs> kind of featured guitar solos he he plays on other songs but that's like the one where he's really like featured doing like a especially he has a, a in sarcasm decoder has an intro and an outro right like big solo that he plays and um and for some reason, Guillaume, our drummer, just thought it would be interesting to pour stuff on his own head. So yeah, I was wondering I, I didn't where until I got the video. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, he's so so. Guillaume is a tattoo artist in in Quebec, and um, and he has a tattoo parlor with with his girlfriend, who's also a singer guitarist in a band called Hip Shot. So I originally asked him, "Hey, can you d uh, make a video of you doing a tattoo on Marie?" You know, and I thought that would be cool. Like, yeah. you know, have a have a guest star from another band, and you know, and and you know, like, just make some crazy video. You know, like I wanted a video of him playing drums and whatnot, yeah. and and you know, like to make it look like a music video. But I thought to spice it up, like, do crazy stuff. I basically told him do crazy stuff. I guess, like, yeah. like make a you know tattoo Marie and like you know have a, you know while you're playing the drums or because he also sang a lot in the backups. So so I w wanted him singing. But I thought it'd be funny if he had a microphone singing while doing a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> but for whatever reason, he translated that into, uh, you know, pouring a bunch of stuff down his head and eating cookies and 
drinking Pilsner. <laughs> I, you know, at the end of the day, I just want a video that's interesting. And it, we, we've had so many great ones like the Hilarious. getaway that was so, um, I didn't, I didn't want to wreck our reputation of having good videos by, you know, because of the pandemic, but we'll see. I mean, it's always tricky being like, you know, you want to be fun and clever, but, uh, things can backfire. Too. <laughs> oh, I thought it was great. I loved the video. It just kind of like fits the, the theme. I felt like, like, um, that song, like I was just kind of smiling all the way through it. Just, you know, even the, um, like the kind of the stops in the verse with the guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of the shots with the guitar in the verse. Like, I love that. It just, it fits the song so well. Oh, cool. Cause I wrote a new song that has shots in the verse too. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's from, so in the eighties we were called scared straight and, yep. and there was, and we did a lot of that, like kind of hardcore stops. I don't know what you call them, but just like a lot of, you know, like a lot of that kind of thing. And, um, I miss that. Like, I don't want to have just constant, like all the time yeah so i i enjoy um you know changing it up like that so i'm glad you like that. yeah so are there are there um like are you planning to release any more singles before the album comes out or what's the plan there yeah i think um I th- we're gonna do one for scars the song scars from set list okay um i, th- I want to say it's the 28th so it's still got a few weeks and nice. um the basic idea is people watch something more if there's a video. So I'm trying to do, we're trying to make more videos and stuff, but it is hard because of the pandemic and how, how do we like, maybe I make it with just me. I, yeah. I like, I really want the band there, but I'm not going to fly the band all over to meet and we can't go into Canada. So I'd really love to have Guillaume, like Guillaume. Uh, so this drummer from Quebec, yeah. we kind of just discovered that he has like, this amazing voice, like his his voice just sounds really good and it pairs well with mine. And um, me and Scott both have kind of mid rangey voice that you could pick out of a crowd. Like, ah, that's Dennis singing and that's Scott yeah. singing. Whereas Guillaume sounds like this really smooth, like the hotel California kind of, <laughs> you know, like just like he could have been in a boy band. Like he's, yeah. he has that kind of smooth back backing wow. vocal sound. And, um, but anyway, so, so on scars, I'm not sure how to handle it. Like if I do a video and it's all focused on me, I just really want, like, like Guillaume does a bunch of backups in scars yeah. and it sounds really good. Like he's like the star of it in my mind, but I don't know how to handle that in a video when I can't go in his country, but I, we don't want to make another zoom video. So, you know, the, the, yeah, that's <laughs> a tough one. That's see how my life's an open book. Like most artists <laughs> wouldn't talk about like their, their creative concerns when they're coming out. But that's basically it is, is that, you know, to, to, um, to try to get people to listen to the new song, yep. you attach it to a video. And there's a lot, I guess there's a lot of videos out there that are essentially just like lyrics over something really boring. Yep. And um, yeah, so, the lyric uh, video, that's a new, I mean, not new, but in the last few years, you definitely see some bands like that. That's what they're doing. They're releasing just a lyric video. I mean, it's mm-hmm. cheaper and you can do things yeah. to make it look cool or whatever, but I don't know that it really can replace a regular video. It's a different thing. And yeah, some of the things thing. that I've seen are really like just, it's just a picture with the yeah, video going. Like a karaoke and, screen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess the main idea is that maybe some people even just get their music from listening to a, you know, from playing the video. So it doesn't really matter what's on it. But to me from old school, it's like, I want to make it entertaining. So, yeah. um, anyway, so, but that's it. And there, 
so and then I think there's going to be another song probably right before the release that'll also be snuck just like a couple days in advance just the basic idea is that you release songs like to exclusive um, people to, to try to get some attention right if you just if you just put the record out a bunch of people comment about it and then it's like and then it's over and then you just spent a year making a record that is is like kind of over <laughs> right like so, day one yeah. is also the final day it just yeah now it's out. that's it so the marketing is kind of like here check out this song sarcasm decoder and then a bunch of people like that and then a few days later here oh here's the video for sarcasm decoder decoder and then a bunch of new people hear it and like that and it yeah. kind of creates a you know a buzz or whatever you want to say and then and then uh and then a few weeks later we'll try that with the second song and then right before the release maybe a third song but those probably won't have elaborate videos so so, we'll see so i i think with. i saw that you're um and you're, like you're releasing a whole bunch of variants of vinyl for this album is that yeah. right yeah i mean the the basic idea now is that the physical media isn't so much for people to listen to music to as to have memorabilia afterward and and for collectors to collect something unique and so there are some people that just want to have like you know lots of neat stuff and and um skateboard decks and things like that so yep. you know it's not it's not like the old days where you'd sell a hundred thousand copies and and eighty thousand would be be cds or something and yep. and you know it's more like way less like you know one percent of that or two percent of that but it's to people who really want to have something to put on their wall or i guess so so the idea is to try to make people happy by providing them with like lots of different neat stuff that they could collect and For and sure. some colors and stuff are only making like 25 <laughs> yeah wow. and, and we also have the patreon um subscriber thing where um yeah it's essentially like a fan club people people subscribe at a dollar or five dollars or ten dollar tiers and then depending what tier you're on the, the basic idea is to help the band like if you want the music to keep going yep. you kind of you support the band but it's not just like kind of a direct donation it's more like we try to make you happy by by um giving you some kind of benefits and the benefits include sometimes things like uh, access to uh, vinyl colors that you can't other people can't get right or or discounts on the stuff on the web store we have skateboard decks and th stuff like that so so like the people who sign up at a ten dollar like literally you could sign up for the ten dollars and quit that month but during that month you get 30 percent off everything in the store so you could buy like two hundred dollars worth of stuff and save literally sixty dollars yeah minus your ten dollar thing so but um we found that in most times when people sign up they kind of stick around at least for a while and um well and the there's benefits you know yeah and i mean there there's also um with patreon there's that kind of connection to the artist as well right which is a little bit different from a traditional fan club where i remember actually signing up for some you know bands fan clubs way back um when i was in high school and stuff and you know you get a newsletter and you maybe get a sticker once a year or whatever but mm -hmm. there wasn't that connection whereas now like having this be an online thing like you can actually chat with people on your patreon page you can make videos for them you could you know whatever that looks like and yeah so that is a it's yeah. a neat medium i think it's really cool it's it's definitely direct and and um, that's why we have the one dollar tier it's like so basically for 12 bucks a year you get like a welcome letter that has some stuff in it and and you get access to some variants and some stuff but for me the the main reason that i want even though it's only 12 dollars 
the cool thing is that it's a real email list that I can get a message out to our biggest fans right yep. away. Whereas like, say if I want to announce something on Facebook, we have to pay to reach people who already are following us. Yeah. Like we have to boost the post. And so, um, you know, it's at least with Patreon, it's not a lot of money coming in $12 a year, but it's still them paying to get the stuff yep. rather than me paying to say, to send them a letter saying, Hey, we're coming to your town or whatever. Like, like literally on tours, we're spending a whole bunch of money on ads, boosting our posts to people right. who years ago would have just been on a mailing list and get, and, and, you know, maybe we have to pay for postage, but um, the concept of giving Facebook a whole bunch of money to reach people who said they already want to get messages from us is a, uh, is a little bit uh, tough sometimes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a challenge, right? I, now that everything's on Facebook and Instagram, you know, basically as an artist, that's how you reach people and you're kind of at the mercy of their algorithms. So, yeah. Yeah. So either direct. we have to say things that are really controversial. So people get <laughs> angry and write a lot, or we have to pay to boost the post and, yeah. and then get the news out or put outrageous videos or something out there. So but for people who are interested in that, I should plug the, the website is 10footpole.com, T-E-N. Yep. So that, that's just our basic website. And then that has links to everything, like where you can hear music, news, the, the Patreon stuff, the, the web store. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a new page. It's not up yet, but I'm going to make a new page to try to um, do fundraising that has memorabilia. So I'm going to try to sell like, um, Dan from 88 fingers. Louie did this. It's like, I'm going to try to sell like my old punk shirts basically, yep. <laughs> but like we've got a bunch of stuff like old vinyl and old, uh, shirts and, um, like not just 10 foot pole shirts. I have some random, like no effects or lag wagon or whatever. And Dan was getting like a hundred dollars for some old punk shirts. And I was like, well, I, I'd really like that. Yeah, no, <laughs> cause I have sure. a band payment to make every month and I have to like my investment in touring and, um, yeah, there. Have you ever followed? Um, this is a bit of a tangent, but have you ever followed the the website uh, Minor Thread? No. So there's a guy um, has a website where he was a huge T-shirt collector, and mm -hmm. so now he's selling off his whole collection. I, I can't remember what he offered it up for in the very beginning when he decided he was selling everything. But he it started as him wearing a new band T-shirt every day, and I think he went like ten years and documented wow. it. Wow. And then wow. He, sold them all. So he's got like hundreds of descendant shirts and, you know, like 50 black flag shirts and whatever. And so he's, he's been selling them. And I saw he actually um, had put up a collection of Keith Morris's shirts, um, mm. you know, maybe a month ago or something like that. And yeah, some of them were like 150, $200. Nice. So people want that stuff for sure. Yeah. I mean, I saw some stuff on eBay where like even our stickers, they were asking like five or $10 for it. It's like, I gave that to you for free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we still, and th that's another thing like on Patreon is like, I usually with people's gifts, I send out like free stickers and stuff. Like luckily I still have some of those, but, um, but I think that it's also interesting just to see the old stuff. So I was thinking, yep. Oh, on, on the memorabilia stuff, I'm going to put like guitars and stuff there too. Cause I'm, I, I constantly find new stuff that I like. Like, um, I don't know if you guys are good. Uh, I'm sure there's some guitar players. I'll just mention it. The, the Evertune bridge yep. is a new technology 
where I think I don't have to worry about tuning anymore. Like once I tune the guitar, I can just walk up and play it. And, They're uh, so crazy. Like you just been, can't even believe it when you see it. It's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, I mean, there's some things you got to do and some things to be, that are tricky with it. But for me as a singer, like I hated playing and just wondering, am I the one who's out of tune or am I grabbing the strings too hard? So if you're not a guitar player, if you grab the strings kind of hard, you basically are bending them out of yep. tune with your fingers. And just despite like, there's so many different factors like temperature, other things that can knock your guitar out of tune. And when the whole band's playing and all of a sudden I'm hearing things that sound out of tune, I don't know if it's people's fingers or my guitar or other people's guitar. So then I'm tempted to look at my tuner and sit there and tune in between songs instead of talk and engage with the audience. And so it's a big distraction. Like even during the yeah. songs, I'm, I'm not thinking about the lyrics and then I'm thinking about tuning and maybe I'll forget and really mess up the song because I'm distracted about tuning. So anyway, this new excitement about the tuners means that I am basically like changing out all the guitars that I use. And for, for, so I'm, I'm trying to sell all my old stuff because some of the, some of the guitars I want are expensive. And um, <laughs> so have you, have you put in, so I am a guitar player. Have you put in an Evertune in any of your guitars yet? No. What happened is uh, there's one, the guitar behind me on the wall is an ESP that has an Evertune built in. And I got it B stock right from ESP. And the cost of that whole guitar was less than it would take me to ship one of my other guitars to somebody to put an Evertune. And there's nobody in Boise who's trained on the Evertune. Yeah. So the cost of the, the bridge itself plus you have to route it out and do a big yep. install and then and then and so if i shipped it both ways that's more than that guitar costs so and plus you don't know if it's any good like like who knows maybe they'll mess it up so i tried it with that guitar and i love it and that guitar sounds great but it's too heavy for me that guitar is 9.4 pounds well, it's not as heavy as a real les paul but for this old guy's back, like <laughs> after 20 minutes of playing that, I'm hurting and I don't, I don't want to be hurting. So, um, so then I was looking at an ESP Japanese version, which costs three times what that one is. So basically I sold three guitars and bought a different one. This is... So I haven't sold that one yet because I'm, cause it sounds really good and maybe I'll use it for recording or something, but I, but I can't jump around on stage with that. It's just too much. So yeah, this is the plight of, of the musician, right? Is like you set your sights on something, a couple other things have to go out to make room for it, right? Or to yeah. make money and, in your and bank. You get all excited, like, oh, this new technology, I've got to get yeah. this thing. And then a few years later, there's something else, and all of a sudden you got to get something else. And the, the same thing happened to me with acoustic guitars, too, is that that I thought I had my permanent acoustic guitars, and then there's a new technology and pickups and stuff and a new brand, and I was like, Oh, I really want that one. <laughs> and that, and so, I, yeah, so it gets tricky. Cause like I'd already installed some stainless steel frets and the other ones, like there's other expenses that you guys don't even know about maybe that, that are just like, you know, uh, you could spend so much money on stuff. And so that's where, um, you know, trying to be prudent with these things. I want the whole band to shift to in-ear monitors yeah. and that, you know, so that's another thing that's like, means we need to have a mixer and take a mixing board with us and some microphones and try to d rehearse and develop a system where we don't um, need a monitor engineer or monitor speakers. Right. Um, but there's always stuff to invest in. So that's why if, if people are wondering, why are they always trying to sell stuff? It's like, <laughs> you know, I've got to sell the old guitars and the old amps to make up for the new one. Like, for example, I have old amps that are too big to carry on an airplane and my new amp is literally like the size where you could put it in overhead. 
even on a small plane, like well, whatever that is, five inches. Yep. Like so, so I have an amp that's that size, but to justify buying that amp, I really need to sell the, the other one. So, so I was going to put this memorabilia page up that some people might enjoy just seeing old guitars, but other people might want to buy one. Like, cause even if you're not a guitar player, it's pretty cool to have, like, doesn't that make nice art there? You can see like, wouldn't you no like question. to have that hanging in your family room? <laughs> <laughs> you saw it here first folks. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it's better on the ones that are all beat up, but uh, yeah. In fact, I have a missing guitar. I have one that I can't find that I, I need to try. Uh-oh. I left it somewhere, but uh, it might be in my mom's house because, because you know, I travel a lot and, and um, but yeah, just try to sell that stuff and then buy the new stuff and yeah, it washes out in the end. So there's lots kind of on the go for you right now, despite like the whole world grinding to a halt, right? Um, you've got a few things happening. How 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 are things with? your family, like you're putting out a new record. That's exciting. How are things? Well, the kids started school school this week. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So that's exciting. But I, I told, I told my school district right away, like, like hundred percent distance learning. Like I didn't even try to sign up. Like I couldn't even imagine the kids all sitting in a room together, huffing the same air, like with or without masks. But, but my school at first, when they sent the announcement out about school starting, they, they were claiming they weren't going to enforce mask stuff. They were like, oh, masks will be optional. <laughs> like, well, hell no, I'm not sending my kids to go sit in a room for hours and hours breathing the same air that yeah. like, hell no. So, so, so I, re- I said that right away. And so remind me, um, how old are your kids? I got a 13 year old and a 17 year old. Okay. So, so a 17 year old so, boy, I'm guessing based on the yeah, last both boys. interview. Okay. Both boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're both what, what guys. Are and, yeah. uh, Sam and Kevin. Sam and Kevin. Okay, nice. Yeah. So Sam and Kevin are are doing the online school thing starting this week. How how do they feel about all that? Um, I th- you know I mean they miss their friends and would yeah. love to do different stuff and and um both of them are uh kind of gamers so they they're used to being socially isolated. It wasn't that different for them to spend all day sitting on a computer doing stuff um, i kind of feel like that's most teenagers right like i have so i have some like a niece and nephew uh, my kids are smaller i have a just about two-year-old and just about five-year-old so oh yeah um but i have a niece and nephew that are teenagers and it was yeah i kind of feel the same way like they were on their phones all the time anyway before covid happened and they were just on their computers and phones afterwards so yeah i mean i i can't speak for other kids i i you know, I, I see people doing sports and other things and, and, um, and, and both my kids, you know, we, we try to do extracurricular opportunities for them, but I didn't force them to do stuff. Um, the younger one, Kevin was playing cello for a couple of years in an orchestra at this science school. Cool. And, um, and that was really neat and exciting and he was great at it. And, uh, but he just wasn't interested in it. And it, you know, and those are kind of dad choices that are hard. It's like, you know, do you force your kids to be good at something because they're, they have potential <laughs> like, or, or do you let them kind of choose their own paths and what to do? And um, yeah, it's a fine line, right? Because I think there yeah. is probably some value in, I certainly think about it with my little kids, like, well, I have to at least put them in something to see if they like it. Like, you know, my daughter, yeah. at least she's not going to say, Oh dad, I want to, you know, maybe she will, maybe she'll say, dad, I want to learn violin. Maybe. 
Or alternatively, maybe I say, why don't you try this? And then maybe she likes it, but it is a fine line for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is tricky. Um, yeah. Like, like, yeah, literally Kevin said, um, yeah, I think I should play cello. And we went out and got a cello and, you know, rented it and it was, it's, it's expensive. It's a pain in the butt, (laughs) but, but, you know, and and it was like, well, if you, if, if I'm going to pay for this, you got to practice, you know, and, and, um, but, and he was in a, a little orchestra, you know, it was, it was an elementary school level orchestra. So it wasn't like, you know, super, um, complex, but he, he had a few solos here and there and he did his thing and, and, uh, and it was cute. And he was I you know, I think it's good for your brain to do different things like that. The older one, we kind of forced him to do some sports a little bit. I don't know if forced is the right word, but we kind of encouraged him. Like when he was real little, um, I don't remember what age it was, but maybe in that zone of like maybe seven-ish, um, I uh, took him in to do wrestling. and um, But it was kind of embarrassing too, because the other kids there were like, um, well, like we live kind of in the sticks. Like we, we live near Boise, but in, a, in the outer area where um, there's... Uh, um, the, the school here is like really into sports and stuff. And that like, there's some people who are really serious about it. So there's some kids that are like, I'm a serious wrestler. And I, I was a serious wrestler in high school, but not at age seven. Yeah. And um, so there were some kids that were like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy you. And they've already been wrestling with their bigger brothers and they're already good, you know, and my son goes in there and he's really strong, but he doesn't give a crap about this yeah. stuff. And, and him and his buddies start doing like robot moves and he's doing weird stuff. And then he, he licks a guy on the side of the face. And I'm just like, Oh no, you know, like the, like the <laughs> kids are just going to, you know, beat him up or something, you know? And, and he's just like a kid, like, you yeah. know, they're, they start doing, we're transformers, you know? <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, but, uh, and and yeah, we also did like little league and uh, I was the assistant soccer coach. We did soccer and he did the uh, uh, flag football it was fun. And, you know, like I try to like, you know, get him in there and do those opportunities. But at the end of the day, he really loves video games and yep. he loved Minecraft and he, now he's playing the shooter games and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a little group of friends that, that he enjoys their time. And, and, um, and, you know, who am I to, you know, judge it like maybe that'll be like some path that he invents some new video game and makes his you know makes a great career out of you know it's kind of like you've got to let people follow their passion even though you have to worry at some point with kids with how much screen time they're getting and yeah those other um you know considerations (laughs) yeah i mean for sure screen time at the age of my kids that's a big topic of conversation for sure um you know, it's easy to put your little kids in front of Netflix for a couple hours, and I'm guilty of it for sure. Yeah, the babysitter. But, yeah, but the I, iPad, the iPad is it, basically like the babysitter of the. Sometimes century. it comes through, right? It's it's good, um, but you do have to be careful for sure. But yeah, that is, you know, I think that's common struggle for parents. Like, at what point do I kind of like mandate my kid tries this thing or continues with this thing? I, I certainly see it a lot um, here with, I think you and I were talking about hockey, like hockey's a really big thing here. And so lots of kids go into hockey and like, it's really intense, even from a young age. Yeah. Man. Um, we're not there yet with our kids and, and maybe, you know, you're behind. What? He's three already. And he's not, doesn't know how to Jersey. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's exactly it. It's, it's crazy, that, right? Yeah, that's how it, it seems like people specialize in things so early these days. Like, how can you even let kids just kind of have fun and develop and, on their and own? It's, like, yeah, it's tough, right? Like, especially if you weren't kind of like, I, I don't know if it brought up that way was, is the right word, but if, if that wasn't your experience, cause it certainly wasn't yeah. mine. I was actually kind of a computer kid growing up. Like I played a lot of computer games, played baseball till I was 12. And then I decided I don't like it. So why would I keep doing it? And for me, that worked out okay. Um, so it's hard to imagine kind of like pressuring uh, or pressuring or even like, I don't know, even just like putting my kid in something without them being totally into it because I'm like, well, I, I didn't really have that experience and I think I turned out okay. So, you know, it, it, but at the same time, you might have a, a, you know, a parent who played hockey or played baseball and they did that until they were in their 20s. And they got a lot out of it and they really loved it. And so they're going to, you know, try and get their kid to experience that same thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's a tough line to walk my parents forced me to take piano lessons when I was a kid. And, um, you know, uh, some of my memory, <laughs> I have one memory of it being like nine 30 or 10 o'clock. And they're like, you just have to practice for, I can't remember what it was <laughs> a half hour or 15 minutes. And I remember hitting my forehead against the keys going, no, I'm not, you can't make me. And like, finally them just giving up and being like, okay, go to bed, you know? And, um, what changed it for me was uh, changing to guitar. Cause I just, I didn't see myself playing piano. Like I didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't have any, like, like now, like, you know, I, and, and they said, Oh, you'll be, you'll thank us, you know, yeah. you'll wish you did. And, and it's true. Like I do wish I could like really play the piano, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, um, because of that, I didn't want to force my kids and be the ones that were like making them bash their head against the piano, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, um, but, but for me, there was something that switched when it came time for guitar, because I always liked bands that had guitar, right. even though I had to play classical guitar for a while at first, you know, finally it was kind of like, I really want to play electric guitar. I want to be in a band. I want to do this stuff. And, you know, and of course, once they knew that I wanted that too, they like had leverage, you know, and. I wrote my dad this whole proposal, like, you know, if you let me get an electric guitar, I'll, I'll always turn it down. If you tell me to turn it down, like, you know, like I basically made a contract and basically said, you know, my dad was really strict. I basically said, you know, if you let me have an electric guitar, I'll, you know, do, do these guidelines. Yeah. And, and, um, and ultimately he said, yeah. And, and we went to Hollywood and we got an amp. In fact, I'm looking at the music man amp right now that I need to sell. Really? Like, it's worth something right now. Like, uh, it's worth a few hundred bucks because it's like an old, uh, kind of classic thing. Cool. That'll be another thing on the memorabilia. Yeah. Page. Like, you know, just <laughs> get rid of it. Cause I can't take it on an airplane. But, uh, you know, that like I did have support and I did have, and, and my dad also was, uh, um, well he made, he, he was a defense contractor. Like he was an electronic engineer and focused on, on, um, uh, inertial navigation systems for missiles and things like that when he was real young worked at nasa and, oh. and and stuff but on the side he had a film company and sound company and as i got more into it as i grew up we did more uh more sound um back in those days was was 16 millimeter film like real film um, before video was kind of invented um all the football games had to be filmed with real film so my dad had a little gig where he was 
he had this business and he hired a bunch of people to go out and work for him and film all the local college and high school football games. So when I was like 14 years old, I was working two or three nights a week going and filming football games. And in, in college, we had to wait for it to be developed for a couple hours at these developing places yep. that were pretty, um, there were only a couple in Southern California and then, and then take it and go edit into uh, offense, defense and kicking reels. Yep. Like as a kid, wow. I had to like film, film the football game, like make sure not to overexpose it or whatever. Yep. Go get it developed. And then in the morning, like bef- deliver it to the coach into offense, defense and kicking, like, like go on yep. the reel and splice it with glue and stuff. Wow. So I didn't really enjoy that so much as, as much as the uh, sound, but, but we also had wood stages and we had sound equipment. And so I was all about, you know, the, the concerts and the sound and, and, uh, rock shows and stuff so that's that's kind of the trajectory that i went but he didn't force me and he forced me to work i guess but he didn't force me to be interested in it that was just that was the stuff that i that was stuff i had access to that i thought was interesting yeah and that's how i went that direction and so i've tried to do that with my kids where there's stuff that they might find interesting that they could go like i got sam a guitar yeah and i he seemed to be interested in guitar but not interested enough, really not enough to really like play it. And, and same thing with Kevin and the cello, like he could do it and he could learn the stuff, but he wasn't driven to do it. It wasn't something that, you know, and especially these days, it's not like I'm going to say like, you must study music because music is such a lucrative path. (laughs) (laughs) Like they might be doing themselves a favor by focusing on technology. Oh, I think for sure. I mean, you know, people who are making tons of money out there, they're, you know, designing platforms online and Ubers and, and, you know, all those kinds of things. So um, yeah, I I think there's nothing wrong with, with kids, you know, knowing their way around a computer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do your kids think about what you do then? It sounds like, you know, they're not kind of necessarily following in your footsteps per se, you know, isn't kind of grabbing them in the same way it grabbed you when you were young. What do they think about what you do and, and the music you make? I'm, I'm not sure what level of respect they have for it. Uh, my, my older son has a, has a, at least one friend who's like a big fan of the band. Cool. So, so that helps. Like m- my son gets along really well with this kid and respects him. And I think it's kind of cool that he like likes the band. So at least independently of, of that relationship, he likes the band. Yeah. Cause I think, um, you know, it's normal to be kind of embarrassed of your dad, I, I presume. <laughs> and, um, so it's kind of cool if your friends think your dad is good at something like that's, that's a, um, so that's a, that was a, a break that went my way. It could have easily gone the other way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like, you know, we've had little shows where the, the kids have, uh, enjoyed, being there partaking a little bit but they're not like i wouldn't say they're big fans um recently i made a a silly comment to my wife about uh, something she had said and um or oh or she she made a comment that was about a, a song that i've been working on so my new songs i've been like singing every day just trying to develop them not not the simmer down songs but the the next rock album song yep. and um and she made a comment that showed that she didn't understand kind of what the lyric was about and um and my 13 year old said, Oh no, you don't understand what it's about. Da, 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 because when he says this and that, so basically my kids are aware of the lyrics. And yeah, the music, paying attention. Not, 
yeah, whether or not they like them, they at least not. both of my kids are, are, uh, are, uh, very intellectual and, and, uh, gifted and like, a you know, very articulate and, and, uh, analytical and good at math and that sort of thing. Uh, probably for my dad, genetics got through to him, but, um, yeah, cool. But, uh, it, it was, it's kind of fun to hear that, to like, to hear him interpret the lyrics or yeah. to, to explain the lyrics to my wife, uh, so that she could understand what the song's about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. That's that must, you know, make you feel a little bit proud, even just that he's paying attention to that level to be able to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a. Uh, it's it's been fun. The, the part of the pandemic that's been nice is the first few months they were really, really just isolated with their computers. But I think after a while they started getting lonely, and so they started hanging out with us more. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I kind of enjoyed it. The the younger one's been. Uh, you know, trying to get us to play board games and card games and, yep. and, uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, that's a little I think silver it's brought lining. the family closer, you uh-huh. know, we're, we're, it's definitely like a survival factor of like, we don't know what's going on in the world, but we know that we're a team and we're going to pull together and, you know, we respect each other and, and try to support each other. And, and, um, I try not to be too hard of a, uh, you know, a dad, but I'm, uh, and maybe I'm too soft of a dad, but I, but I, I have been making him do more work lately and stuff and, and, uh, and it's been going okay. So <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, well, Dennis, I think, you know, <laughs> being conscious of your time here, we've been chatting for a while. This has been really awesome. Um, getting to hear about the experience of, you know, creating the new album. I'm super excited about it coming out. It's October 9th, right? Um, yeah. People can go find out more information on 10footpole.com. Anywhere else they should be looking or, or checking out in the meantime? No, I think I, well, 10footpole.com has, I, I just want to advertise that one because it has links to everywhere else on there. Okay. So if you, if you really love the band and you really want us to keep making songs, then um, the Patreon supporter situation is, it, it's great for both of us. It's great for us right. to be in touch with people and it, has some nice benefits that people might like, like you said about, um, you know, going both ways in there. And I, I, I'm pretty active on Facebook, although I just realized like I'm, I'm near that threshold where they limit me. Like, uh, if you have 500 friends that they, they don't let any new friends in. So right. it's kind of a relief too, because then there's like, you know, people ask to, to be my Facebook friend and I have to go like check out their things to see like, you know, yeah. is this a troll or a Russian, uh, bot or whatever like is it, you know yeah like what like what kind of you know what kind of person am i inviting into the environment but now that i've hit that 5k number you know short of having a purge i uh i'm relieved of the responsibility of nice. having to sift through the um applications for friendship yeah i've seen and, uh, i've seen a lot of other artists they get to that point and then they decide to make sort of a like a musician page and then keep their other one for personal but then you still do have those 5000 people on there that you may or may not know right so yeah and i i mean i don't know how much yeah that's a good question is like how much uh, personal to even do on there i i kind of treat it all as personal but i try to be a little bit aware of the um the fact that there are thousands of people that i don't know that are possibly lurking and seeing things so it's right it's kind of a weird you know, I mean, I think that's why they're there is they do want to see the personal stuff. And, and I think that's, and that's also why I, I think that that acoustic idea of telling stories and, and uh, the monologues and everything could work is that 
people do want to see more of you than just hear your recorded songs. Yep. And um, I mean, they, you know, for the most part, they do want to hear the songs, but not just that. Otherwise they wouldn't want to be Facebook friends and get like my post about my dog or something. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I appreciate it all. I appreciate people, you know, caring and, and uh, I don't take it for granted. And, and uh, certainly Patreon is a way that if someone wants to be really in, then that's, you know, got to pay to be my friend. <laughs> Well, but it's no, true. I, like, like the band needs support. Like, for like sure, I have a huge van payment, and it's and it's you know borderline irresponsible to to be paying for a tour van. But I I committed to it, and you know part of it was this thing. Like, I want a tour. Like, I want a tour with ten foot pole, and it, it's it's hard and it's going to be a challenge. But especially if I get the van paid off. Like uh, my thoughts are this van is going to last for 20 years. So it's going to be really hard for this, whatever, five or six years while I'm making these first payments. But then from then on, I'll be able to just keep using it. So that's the thought, like whether it, whether it balances out, you know, that accountability, right? Like if you don't get the van, you won't end up doing it. And so now that you have the van, like you kind of have to do it when you can. (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it it, it basically becomes a sunk cost rather than like a new cost. Like if, if you don't own a van and you look at going on a tour, you go like, wait, it's going to cost $4,000 to have a van on this tour. That's insane for us to go on tour. No, (laughs) but if you own the van and you're like, Oh, I've already got a van. All I have to do is pay for gas <laughs> and I could drive to the first show. Then, you, you know, you're not thinking the reality is I already did pay the $4,000. <laughs> like I, you know, and that's, so I'm kind of forcing myself into doing it. Yeah. But they, I well, want to do it, but I'm kind of trying to make it to where it makes sense. And, and um, so if people enjoy that and want us to, to do it, then Patreon is a way to kind of support and make it, make it happy and, and make it happen, but also have some benefits on that side. But yeah, yeah. that stuff's all at 10footpole.com and, and uh, like all the new announcements and new music and stuff is all, you can find it all there as we go, okay. go forward. So 10footpole.com, go check out the Patreon. New album, Simmer Down, comes out October 9th. Um, Dennis, last time you finished off the episode, um, with an acoustic version of don't be a dick. We're not going to ask you to take out your guitar right now, but I'm wondering if you have any uh, outside of the advice of don't be a dick. Do you have any advice for, this is the rad dad show. So we have a lot of dad and parent listeners, sure. any advice for, for parents out there or maybe soon to be parents? Oh, that's a good question. Um, random advice. Mm, nothing, nothing's like, Nothing's striking me. Uh, I mean, I, like the basically the last hour I've been giving advice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been sneaking it in there. Um, well, I, know, I, I, you know, I, I would just say just do your best and don't don't worry. You know, like it, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. So like as long as you don't do something that you're going to regret in the future, just try to think in of in that terms of like you know, in the long run, your principles and what you believe in and things you can be proud of are, are going to be stable. And so you don't, um, you don't want to do things that later you regret and that you're embarrassed, whether it's from being mad or what, for whatever reason, just letting your standards down and doing something. So, you know, try to, try to keep the long view on things and, and not worry too much about 
guilt about short view things too, like to just try to do your best and try to make it better as time goes on and do, do the best you can. And, and uh, I think as parents, that's, that's about it. Like as long as your kids are taken care of and feel supported and, and that you're being kind of aware of their feelings and their stuff, then, then you're going to be, they're going to end up okay, basically. It's great advice. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show today, Dennis. It was really, really great talking with you and nerding out about uh, some guitar stuff and, um, you know, hearing about um, the making of the album and those kinds of things. I, I really enjoyed it today. Um, yeah. And, and best of luck. Um, you know, we'll be following you at, with the release of the new singles and can't wait for the next album to come hopefully shortly after. Well, thank you, Brett. Best wishes to your family and all the, all the uh, rad dads out there. Um, be safe and best wishes and hope to uh, hope to see you all when uh, on the other side of this pandemic thing. Um, and I uh, hope you like the new songs and just, I'll just keep writing with the assumption that, that people out there will like it. So yeah, whether we'll, or not people do we'll or not, it. it's just, if we'll just do, that's all we can do as artists is just do our best and do stuff we're proud of and, and hope y'all like it. So, and hope to see you out there too. Cause that, that's what makes it all worthwhile is kind yeah. of, getting together at shows and stuff so hopefully we'll see you in some backyards uh early in 2021 <laughs> thanks brett well thanks awesome. to the ads take care yeah. thank you so much okay, cheers all right that was dennis jaggard from 10 foot pole on the rad dads show thanks so much dennis for joining us if you're looking for more rad dads content find us on apple podcasts or on social media on instagram you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook at at Rad Dads Show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads started as a community organization, and you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad. <laughs>